At this time, we would invite our young ones to head to Children's Church. We have Children's Church from basically nursery all the way up to second grade. So if you've got a little one in that category, they are heading out the door as we speak. Uh, And we would encourage them to join. They do not have to, but we encourage them to. For the rest of you, I would ask that you turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 4. We are continuing our series in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, you can see from the screen that our, our the, the kind of title of our series is God is Faithful. So we're going to be reading today from Deuteronomy chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 5 and read through to verse 14. And if you are able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. And the Word of God says this. It says, See... I have taught you statutes and judgments just as the Lord my God commanded me. This is Moses talking, by the way, that you should do thus in the land where you are entering to possess it. So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as is the Lord our God whenever we call on Him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments and as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today? Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eye has seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and to your grandsons. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Assemble the people to me, that I may let them hear my words, so they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children." You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire to the very heart of the heavens, darkness, cloud, and thick gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you from the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but you saw no form, only a voice. So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone. The Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that you might perform them in the land where you are going over to possess it. Please be seated. Have you ever heard someone say to you, remember where you came from? You ever heard anybody say that? Now, there's a lot of ways and a lot of reasons someone might say that to you. To say, remember where you came from. More than likely, it was probably because of a family member telling you to remember where you came from. Now, maybe that's because you kind of came from humble means and you came from humble beginnings. And because of hard work and dedication, and, and maybe you've gotten to a, a, another place in life, you've kind of worked up the corporate ladder, or you've got the job that you were, were shooting for when you went off to college, or whatever it might have been, and, and the statement, remember where you came from, has something to do with like humility. Like, hey, don't, don't forget where you came from. 
But there's more reasons. Maybe it has to do with just your heritage, your family. Maybe the statement to remember where you came from is a, uh, is a call to remember your heritage, your family, their story, how they came here to embrace things like language, food, and traditions that are important to your family unit. And whether that's your family came from a, another land or another country, or, or maybe your family is, has just been here for so long and the traditions that are here. Um, I have family from Texas. And they are very proud of being from Texas. And that would be something they would say, remember where you came from. Maybe it has to do with just appreciating the growth in an area of your life. Maybe you have been working in your life to overcome addiction. Or maybe you have been working in your life for, to, to be healthier or to, to improve in, in some sort of skill or some sort of ability. And maybe you're not there yet, not where you want to be, but someone in the midst of maybe your frustration or your desire to quit, maybe it's four years of college or more, and someone says to you, hey, remember where you started. Remember where you came from. Look how far you've come. Look at all the things you've overcome. Look at all the things you've done. Don't give up. Maybe it's a call just to be grateful. When we remember where we have come from and maybe all the times in our life where we should have been down and out. Maybe we remember all the things that, that, that we have gone through and we can see how God has been there every step of the way. And through maybe medical conditions or whatever it might be, God showed up again and again and again. And we are here today because of what God has done in our life. We might say, remember where we came from. In our passage today, God is, is really speaking through Moses. And Moses is addressing the nation of Israel. And in a lot of ways, he is calling the nation of Israel to remember where they have come from. Quite specifically, remember where you have been so that they are ready and they are prepared for entering the promised land. See, sometimes the statement to remember where you came from is the motivation we need to do something, to act in a certain way, to behave in a certain way. I bet you there's been some people in the room who have had a family member say, remember where you came from because you, they wanted you to remember that your name means something in your community. And that they want you to re represent your family well and to represent where you came from well. As Israel is entering into the promised land, God is reestablishing His covenant with them and what it's going to be like to live in the land. And I'll be honest with you, it is not a small feat. And so He calls on them to remember where they came from in order to prepare their minds for action. Let me, let me explain it to you. Let me kind of break this down for you today. He begins, and I want to kind of begin with that command, to remember what you have seen and what you have experienced. Go back to verse 9. He says, Only give heed to yourself so that you will, so, and, 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 to, and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and do not, do not let them depart from your heart. 
He, he reminds them of what they have seen and experienced already on their very long journey. And he calls them back to a very specific place, which is Mount Horeb. Now, if you're following along with me and you're going to jump the scriptures with me, I want to encourage you to, to leave a bookmark here, to leave a finger here. And I want you to go back with me to Exodus 19. We're going to do a little bit of history this, this week like we did last week. Turn to Exodus 19. See, he reminds them of what happened at Mount Horeb. And, and one of the interesting things about Mount Horeb is it actually had two names. And sometimes it's called Mount Horeb. And sometimes it's called Mount Sinai. Now, that one probably sounds familiar, doesn't it? Those were names of the same mountain. And, and, and we're not really sure why they used two different names. They may have just used two different names. I heard, I heard one theory that actually one, one name represented one side of the mountain and one name represented the other side of the mountain. I don't know if that's true. I've never been there. But these names were, but these two names were used interchangeably to talk about the same mountain. And so when we go back to Exodus 19, we see what God did out Mount Sinai or out Mount Horeb. And I want to pick up in verse 10. And he says this, in, in Exodus 19, starting in verse 10, he says this, The Lord also said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down from Mount, on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. So that's, that's the beginning of all of, of what Moses is talking about. He's talking about the day that, that God met you on the mountain. And this was God preparing them for meeting God on the mountain. Now jump down to verse 16. And we see how God did that. In verse 16, it begins by saying this, So it came about on the third day, while it was morning, that there was thunder, and there was lightning flashes, and a thick cloud upon the mountain, and a very loud trumpet sound, so that all the people who were at the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because, of the, because the Lord descended upon it, in fire and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked violently when the sound of the trumpets grew louder and louder Moses and spoke and God answered him with thunder now are you going to forget something like that that is I, I can't even begin to to think about this this is the moment where they've, they, they've had the exodus, they've, they've escaped Egypt, they've got out into the wilderness, they've gone to the place that was kind of the initial statement, we're going to leave Egypt, we're going to go to this mountain, and we're going to worship God. That's all that's happened. They are now at the mountain. And this is where God establishes His covenant with them. If you know anything about how Exodus 19, Exodus is set up, verse 19 we have there, or chapter 19 we have this, chapter 20 is the Ten Commandments. We're going to talk about the Ten Commandments next week. Get excited. And in chapter 19, we see God show up. Literally. And He does not show up in a little, tiny, 
maybe could play tricks on us kind of way. Like, well, did God speak? I don't know. Maybe he did. It could have been. I don't know. No, he made no room for doubt. When a giant smoke, fire, noise, like a trumpet sounding, an entire mountain shook. I have lived on this earth for 42 years. I have never seen a mountain shake. David, have you ever seen a mountain shake? No. He's been here a little more than 42 years. Just a little bit. This would have been a both inspiring and terrifying thing to see. And yet this was a very real encounter with God where not only did they have this amazing, powerful, awesome, this is the right use of the word awesome, awesome encounter with God, but then they got to see Moses start talking back and forth with the fire. And he would talk and thunder would would answer back. This is an amazing moment. And he tells them in this time, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, that they need to remember this day. In fact, not only do they need to remember it, but they need to have it so ingrained into them that it is written on their heart. Because they're going to need this memory to go do what God has called them to do. We might ask the question, why does he feel the need to say this? Why would you have to tell the people, hey, don't forget about that time that you saw smoke and fire come down on the mountain and that it shook and that the thunder spoke to you and all of these things. He said, why do you, why, you know, don't forget them. We might say, why does he even have to remind them? And I'll tell you this is why. Because life is long and we are forgetful people. And make no mistake, I said we. We do this too. Many of us, at the very least, when we came to saving faith in Christ Jesus, we had a moment where we felt like we had an encounter with God. Now, it may not have been fire coming down from heaven and and mountains shaking, but I bet if we thought for a moment, there has been times in your life where you felt like God was right there in front of you. And whether it was a, a sermon or your own personal time in the Word, maybe it was an event like a revival service or a camp chapel service or whatever it was, there was a point in your life where you felt the presence of God and you knew God was, was calling you to do something, to pursue a ministry, to surrender your life to Jesus. You felt convicted by the Holy Spirit and, and, you have, and you have a memory of a time in your life where like here, God showed up. We see God do amazing things, sometimes even miraculous things, and we think that those things ought to solidify our faith, that they should make them like steel that is unmoving and unwavering. But if you live enough life, you begin to realize that it's just not always the case. And sometimes we start to forget those times in our life where we felt like we were walking with God hand in hand. Something comes up. Maybe it's something really hard. 
a loss of a loved one, loss of a job, a change that you weren't necessarily looking forward to. Sometimes it's something shiny, something desirable. Someone dangles a fruit in front of you and we begin to forget the God we serve. That's why it is so important that God says to Israel and that God even says to us today, remember what God has done. Remember how He has shown up in your life. In fact, we can even see this exact same command in the New Testament. If we go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, we read these words. He says, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of the promise, having no hope without God in this world. But now, Christ Jesus you, now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. See, it hasn't, it hasn't changed. Even today, even Paul, as he's talking to the church in Ephesus, and man, the church in Ephesus, in Ephesus that was the church that Paul was the most close to. And even them, he had to look at and say, remember? Remember who you used to be? Remember how far away from you, from, from me that you were. Remember how lost and alone in the world you were. And remember when Christ came in your life. Remember how drastically that changed, not only the course of your life, but your very identity. Remember what happened when you made Jesus Christ your Lord. Do you remember? Do you remember that day? You don't have to remember all the details. I got a chance several several months ago, might be years ago by now, the, the days are long, but the, the years are short, right? And I was talking with Ruth Goodman. And I began and, and she, Ruth Goodman, to give you a little story about Ruth, Ruth was a little girl when this church became a church. And the day that this church became a church, way back July fifteenth, nineteen forty five right? 1945. Brother Butler preached a sermon. Does Ruth remember that sermon? Absolutely not. But God spoke through that sermon and Ruth knew she needed to give her life to Christ. And on the first day that Tunnel Hill was ever a church, Ruth Goodman, who was not Ruth Goodman then, Ruth Bush, right? Okay, I'll make sure I'm not making that up. Walked down that aisle and gave her life to Jesus. And I got to say, and I, I, I said, tell me about that. And she said, it was the first day. Oh, you're here. I didn't see you back there. Sorry, I didn't mean to just talk about you. I guess it's not behind your back. <laughs> she didn't remember the sermon. She doesn't remember probably a lot of the details of that day. But she remembers how she felt. And she remembered that she knew that that was the day that she walked that aisle. Don't forget that day, Ruth. Those days are powerful, aren't they? See, they needed to remember what God had done because that reminder, that memory was going to fuel their obedience. 
See, what God does when he calls us to remember the days of old is not so that we might live in the past. He didn't say, hey, remember what happened on the mountain? Because I want you to forever be just thinking about, oh, remember how great it was when we lived in tents in front of the mountain? That was never what his intention was when he told them to remember what God had done in the past. In fact, to be honest with you, it breaks my heart when I hear people talk about their relationship with the Lord in days gone by and how much they long for the closeness that they had back then and they speak of it as though they could never, ever have it again. That breaks my heart. When I talk to people and they say, oh man, when I, you know, when I was in high school, man, I just had this close walk with the Lord and I just, I just miss having that kind of walk. I want to be like, you're still breathing air. God is still there. God, that, that, that intimacy that you can have with God is still available to you today. Don't live in the past and don't think your relationship with the Lord and your closeness with the Lord is something that can only be something that happened in days gone by. God wants us to use our memories and the reminders that we have in our life and in the Scriptures as a springboard to greater obedience. I'll get it out, don't worry. I mean, look again at the text. Look again at verses 13 and 14. He said, so he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform. That is the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets. The Lord commanded me at that time to teach you that you might perform them in the land where you are going to possess. He is telling them to look back. He's telling them to remember, but not so that they stay back there, but because he wants them to go forward. He wants them to go forward into the promised land. He wants them to go forward in living in his covenant. He wants them to go forward because he has a purpose and a plan for Israel in the promised land. Remember so that you can go. He is doing the exact same thing for us. In fact, we see Jesus communicate the very same idea in the New Testament. Let me show you. Turn with me to John chapter 13. In John 13, I'm going to pick up in verse 5, and this should be a familiar passage to you. It says that then He, and He is Jesus, poured water into the basin... And he began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel which he had girded himself with. And so he came to Simon Peter and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. But Jesus answered him, if I do not wash your feet, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he who has bathed need only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew that the one who was betraying him, for this reason he said, not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet, 
and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that also you should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor the one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. See, Jesus does, does something, and it's, it's amazing how the God who can shake mountains is also the God who will wash feet. I never get tired of that. And the God who shook mountains and the God who is the same God who who washed feet and in both cases had the same answer. You see what I'm doing? Don't forget that. Now go do that. You've seen my example. You've seen what I am doing. You have seen what I've done in your midst. Now go do. There was always a, a forward-looking thing. Even when he talks to Peter, he says, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will later. Because later you're going to take what I'm doing now and you're going to do something with it. He's not saying you're going to later, you're going to be like, man, wasn't that cool? I wish Jesus was here to wash my feet right now. No, what Jesus said is, you've seen what I've done. Do it to each other and do it to others. See, we remember. We remember what God has done. We let those memories be the fuel that that propels us into greater obedience with Him. And in doing so, we will bear fruit. When I was preparing this entire series and I was reading through the book of Deuteronomy and I wanted to get like big picture moments in the book of Deuteronomy so that we could really understand the book in just a few months. And I was so struck by what Moses said to Israel, picking up in verse six. And he says that if you keep them and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the Lord and this is like, excuse me, he says, this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people who will hear of these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near it as the Lord your God whenever we call on him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law, which I am setting before you today? See, that just, that just blew me away because it reminded me of what Israel's real purpose was. Israel's real purpose wasn't to just be the most holy people on the block and so that everyone else felt like garbage. Israel's purpose was to make a lot of people go, now wait a second. Look how close they are to their God. And look how good they, 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 their, their law is and how honest and true and just their society is. And look, and look at how, how wise and knowledgeable and understanding they are. Hey, there's something to this. See, there was an idea here that the nations around of Israel would start to go, wait a second. Our gods stink. They're far away. 
They don't care about us. They're inconsistent. They're, we're afraid of them because they're not just and we don't know what they're going to do. And to be completely honest, I don't know that much about our gods. But here is Israel. They know their God. Their God knows them. He cares about them. He has done fantastic and wonderful things in them. In fact, if they just call to Him directly, He'll answer them. Are we following the right God? And that is exactly what Israel was supposed to do. See, the passage begins by pointing out the, the wisdom and obedience that comes from this close relationship with God. When the nation of Israel followed the commands and the judgments of the Lord, all the nations that surrounded Israel marveled at their wisdom. In all truth, this makes sense because God's, God is the source of all wisdom and the author of all true wisdom and understanding. We see this in Proverbs 2.6. From the most wise and just king to ever breathe oxygen, which is for the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Not only will they be wise... But they, will become, but they will experience a closeness with God that the nations around them will envy. As I already mentioned, most of the nations around them viewed their gods as relatively indifferent people who occasionally intervened either to punish or reward the people who happened to catch their attention. And for the most part, you really desired a life where the gods didn't know you did anything at all. But, the, but Israel's relationship with Yahweh was what was going to be the thing that set them apart. We can go to again to the Scriptures, Hosea 11.1, we read this. This is God speaking through the prophet Hosea. Listen to this, he says, When Israel was a youth, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. Now he wasn't actually talking about just Israel as in Jacob, but he was talking about the nation of Israel, that out of Egypt I called my son was not only a reference to Israel being called into the promised land in the Exodus, but obviously we also talk about this as it relates to Jesus and the intimacy that God has had with Israel and eventually the world was unparalleled. So much so that even today we speak of this son who was called out of Egypt, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. See, if they remembered where they were coming from, if they used that to fuel their obedience, that obedience would lead to wisdom and a closeness with God, and ultimately all these things together would prove to be a powerful witness to the nations that surrounded them that Yahweh was the one true God. That was God's plan. And if you don't believe me, turn back to Exodus 19 and look again at verses 5 and 6. It says, Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. This was God's intended purpose for Israel 
since the very beginning. His desire was that Israel would live in the covenant and live in the promised land and that their relationship with the Lord might point all other nations to fear the Lord their God, Yahweh. This is what he wanted to teach them to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. So that one generation unto the next might know God and make God known until all things were set right. I have said this a lot of times, and I'm going to go ahead and say it again. Your children should know how you came to Christ. You have a t- I'm not asking you to say to give your testimony to one stranger, but I want you to give your testimony to your kids. I want your kids to know that when your time is up and they have to say goodbye, that you had a relationship with the Lord. And when that happened and how that happened. And guys, I, I don't think you realize how powerful your testimony is. When you know those stories, they mean so much more than you realize. And they can be the fuel that keeps someone following in obedience. My grandmother, who will listen to this sermon at some point, she got saved at church camp. You know what she said, Ruth? I don't remember what the person talked about, but I knew in that moment I needed to give my life to Jesus. Does that sound about right? Her grandson now is a director of a church camp. And you know who sent that grandson to church camp? My grandma. That's pretty neat. Your story is powerful. Even if you don't think so. Because when you tell your story and what God has done in your life to your kids and to your grandkids, they use your memories as the fuel for their obedience. And you know what's going to happen? God's going to work in their life and God is going to show up in their lives. And and Lord willing, they're going to have that moment where they surrender their life to Jesus and now they're going to have their stories. But they're not just going to have their stories. They're going to have your your stories and and their stories and maybe the grandkids' stories. And man, what remember what they said in Hebrews 12 about so great a cloud of witnesses? That can just be your family. Hebrews 12 is talking about all the people in all of Scripture, and those are our great, our great cloud of witnesses. But you know what? So can your faithfulness. I beg you, tell your kids all that the Lord has done in your life. Tell your grandkids all that the Lord has done in your life. I don't care if you sound like a crazy person. You won't to your grandkids because your grandkids probably think you hung the moon. And sit in that chair and put that grandchild on your lap and say, can I tell you about how Jesus became the Lord of my life? And they'll say yes, because they want to hear anything about it. And you don't have to remember the sermon. And you don't have to remember the day. You can just remember what it felt like. And how in that moment you knew that you were a sinner that needed saving. And you can tell your kids that. 
And that may very well be the fuel of their obedience long after you are gone. See, God's intention for Israel would be, was that they would be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And guess what Peter called the church? 1 Peter 2.9 says this, that he called, Peter called them a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. We may no longer be under the covenant of the law. We may now be under the covenant of grace through faith in Christ Jesus. But we are still called to be followers of Jesus and to live for him. And sometimes that gets hard. (coughs) And passages like we have here in Deuteronomy 4 are a reminder to us to remember the days when we walked close with God. Remember the day that God called us unto salvation to remember the times when God revealed His glory to us and through us and to remember how He has delivered us time and time and time again. And when we have remembered, trust and obey and watch as God does it again. If you are with us today and you have never given your life to Jesus, I pray that you would hear hear Ruth's story. She didn't have all the answers. It wasn't that someone gave her the gospel in the most clear and eloquent, eloquent way possible. But in that moment, the Spirit spoke to her and said that she was a sinner and she needed saving. If God is saying that to you today, please don't wait. We see from our passage today that God desires a closeness with you that is unparalleled. And He is calling you into covenant. No longer a covenant of obeying a a set of laws and judgments, but a, a covenant that comes through trusting in Christ with your life. If that is your desire today, then we would invite you to come and, and, and let's talk about that. And let's, let's have a conversation about what it means to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. If you've done that, and that close walk with Jesus seems like a thing in the past, I want to challenge you today to remember And when you remember that closeness, let that fuel you. Let that be the springboard for you into greater obedience. That might mean you need to take some time and pray to God and repent of the things that have taken you away from Him. That might mean that that you need to to just take a moment and, and just think about that and what has changed in your life. But if you are not happy with how close you are with the Lord today, I would challenge you that you are just one decision away from a renewed walk with Him. Let us pray together. Our gracious God and King, Lord, we do thank You and we do praise You for Your Word. God, I really, truly believe that every single person in this room has had a point in their life, maybe even if it is this very second, where they have been so close to you that they felt like you were right beside them. 
that they have seen you work and reveal your glory in amazing ways and, and that there have been po- times in their life that were life-changing and worldview-forming moments in their life. And God, I pray that if they have forgotten those, that if not so much that they don't remember them, but they just don't bring them back into their memory for enough. And, and because of that, they've wandered from you. I'm reminded of the song that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. God, I pray that even as I am speaking, that you are calling to their mind the days when they were close with you. And God, I pray that that would not be something that, that, that leaves them wanting to live in the past or, or missing those days. But Lord, I pray that those things would be the fuel that, that, that sends them into greater obedience. That gives them the strength and the encouragement that they need to get through whatever they're going through. And God, that we would take these, these memories that, that we have with you And Lord, that they might fuel us to be a witness for you and so that we might see you move again and again and again. Now, God, I don't know what that looks like for everybody in this room, but you do. And so, God, I pray that you would move, that you would move our minds and that you would move our hearts to action and that you would be glorified by all of it. God, we ask these things in the precious name of Christ Jesus. Amen.